0: Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. And there are seasons in our lives in which God seems to do this from time to time, in which he calls you to do a specific thing at a specific moment. And he often leverages our gifts to do that, gifts of prophecy or gifts of of service or gifts of teaching or gifts of encouragement or gifts of giving, or gifts of leading or gifts of even just showing mercy to others, that these things are very prominent within us and he uses them to be a blessing in different situations. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. It has been said that God always wants to take us from where we are to where he wants us to be. But in order for that to happen, there must be a breakthrough. That godly breakthrough will always take you to a better place and make you more of the person God created you to be. Is that the kind of breakthrough you desire in your life? Do you desire a godly breakthrough in your marriage, in your finances, in your faith, or in some other area of your life? The hope of this series of sermons is that you will experience God's breakthrough in all of the areas of your life that are falling short. His breakthrough often won't bring what we want. Instead, it will bring better than we could ever imagine. Our prayer is through this series you will be able to experience a breakthrough that takes you from where you are to where God wants you to be. Please enjoy the message. That he is David. And that's probably how he felt. His brothers looked down on him as we're going to come to find. It, It didn't seem like he was doing anything all that special with his life. He was tending to the sheep. He wasn't even, even invited into the important family meetings. He just wasn't a very valued member of the family, and he was, giving, he was given a job that no one else wanted. It probably felt like God wasn't doing anything with his life. God wasn't a part of it. I mean, but we're going to come to find out that, that that wasn't the case at all. I mean, his brothers probably looked at him and thought, what, what, what good can come out of that hill? What good can come from that hillside? What good can come from that little boy? What good is he? All he does is he sits out on the hillside and he just plays his harp. Harp, 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 harp. And he scribbles things down. God, 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 God. God. Harp, harp, harp. I mean, that was David's life. But God had so much more for him. And so Samuel goes to this nowheresville town called Bethlehem. To anoint a new king. Anybody here from a nowheresville town? Like, you may grow up in a little town. Anybody here? A few few people? Yeah, yeah you kind of know what I'm talking about. You know when you grew up in that town. I grew up in a little town in Indiana, called, southern Indiana called Austin, Indiana. Anybody here ever heard of Austin, Indiana? A couple people? Okay, i got a couple of you. Okay, well, so, so there's a few, which is very surprising. But, but you're not from there. Because nobody ever, it's one of those places hard to get out of. It's just the way it goes. But it was, a, it was kind of this nowheresville town. And then even worse than Austin was this town just north of us, Crothersville. And Crothersville, there's definitely nothing good. I mean, it was, you just look down on these places. But maybe there was more good there than we really knew. There usually is. And that was the case with Bethlehem. And so Samuel goes to Bethlehem looking for the king with the qualifications that he has in his mind, tall, handsome, natural leader, strong, ruddy, or not ruddy, but strong and aggressive, the kind of guy that people are just drawn to, the kind of person that when people look at him, they don't want to mess with him because they know that that guy can, can put them in their place. Samuel's going looking for that guy. So he calls Jesse's family and the leaders in the town together, and they're going to have a sacrifice. And after the sacrifice, a king is going to be called, anointed. So when they arrived, being Jesse's family, Samuel saw saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance, his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He's saying, Samuel, I I know that you've got these qualifications in your mind of what the king is supposed to look like, what someone who is called to do incredible things for the Lord is is supposed to have. I, I know you think that you know what those characteristics are supposed to be, but but I'm not looking at those things. I'm looking at the heart. And so then they go on, then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel, but Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. And so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? And he goes on, there is still the youngest. He is tending the sheep. He is the one that was looked down upon, and this uh, this word "youngest" does not just describe age; it also describes position, perspective that family members had of him. He wasn't the kind of person that people thought would be called to do anything special. The word "youngest" in Hebrew is hakaton, and hakaton is a negative descriptor of a younger sibling. In other words, he is the runt. And this is the description of Samuel, of why they consi- from Samuel about David, of why they considered him the run. Send for him, Samuel says. We will not sit down until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was a fine-looking boy, ready-faced, with pleasant eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. Now, at first glance, it seems as though God may be contradicting what he just said. He said he's most focused on the heart, not the appearance. But then they just talk about his appearance. But if you dig deeper... As I have done, digger, dug deeper, you come to find that this really isn't that great of a description of someone in this time. A fine-looking boy made reference to his tan. We like tans today. Tans are popular. People, we have tanning beds, tanning sprays. They have all sorts, Everybody loves a tan, but not in this day. Because if you had a tan, that meant you worked in the fields. You were an indentured servant of some kind. You were the lowest of the low. And so he's a fine-looking boy. Ruddy-faced. Ruddy did not mean rough and strong. Ruddy ruddy meant that that it was red. It was pimply. He had a pimpled out face. There were just rocks on his face. He had a ruddy face. And he had pleasant eyes. We like pleasant eyes. They were probably hazel. People love hazel eyes today. But in that day, if you had hazel hazel eyes, you were weak. You weren't going to kill anybody. They wanted people with strong, dark eyes, the kind of eyes that just like rip you apart type of person. That's what they wanted. And David had none of these qualities. And yet this is the one that the Lord anointed. And why was that? Well, it was because of his heart. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And then Samuel then went on to Ramah. And so what caused God to call David? What caused God to seemingly put a supernatural purpose into David's life? A supernatural meaning into all that David would do. It was about his belief in his heart. It wasn't about his external appearance. And maybe, again, maybe for you, you're wondering, what is the point of what I'm doing? I'm just going to go meet with another client. I'm just going to have another deal. I'm just going to read over another uh, manuscript or document of some kind. I'm just going to balance another spreadsheet, put together another What, What is the purpose of all of this? Well, there is purpose. There is meaning. And God wants to give you that. And maybe God is giving you that in your life. It's not all about this. This is what we make it about. It's not inches on your waist, square footage of your house, the make of the car. And those things aren't bad. I'm not even saying these things are wrong. It's just this isn't the purpose and the meaning that God is placing into your life. The label, the clothes, the size of the office, the complexion of your skin, the presence of diplomas, the absence of pimples. That's not what life is all about. Well, maybe this last one if you're a teenager. But other than that... That's not what life's all about. But often we get everything crossed up. We get all the wires joined together of the world and what God wants for our lives. And, and we feel so discontent. And we don't realize that God is really wanting to the great place, great meaning and calling into what you're doing. All that David did after he was anointed was go back to the hillside and tend to the sheep. Eventually, he's called into Saul's court, but he was always doing menial tasks. He was just serving, and gradually, God began to do more and more through his life. And God seems to use those of us who are the hackathons, the outcasts, the broken ones, the least of these. And the thing is, is that in God's eyes, we're all the hackathons. We, we all will have seasons in which we don't feel like there's a supernatural calling on our marriage or on our parenting, on the way that we're sharing our faith, on our love for the Lord. We all will have seasons in which we feel like we're a bit lost, but it is those that are lost that God has used the greatest. Because Moses, he ran from justice. Jonah ran from God. Rahab ran from a brothel. Samson ran to the wrong woman. Jacob ran in circles all throughout his life. Elijah ran to the desert. Sarah ran out of hope. Lot ran with the wrong crowd. And God used them all. And so maybe that's where you feel right now. Maybe you feel like you've ran from God for so long that he can't use you. Or maybe you've made so many mistakes that you feel like God can't do something incredible through your life. You couldn't, that couldn't be more wrong. Theologically speaking, theologians would say that there are three callings that God places on our lives from the scriptures. And these are callings that were all present in David's life. And they ought to be present in our lives. The first calling that he places on us is a general calling. And this is a calling that goes to all people. It is for everyone to come to believe in Jesus. And God is calling everyone to have a faith in his son. All people. And maybe you're here today and you're someone that God is making, he is calling you right now. He wants you to answer that call. And maybe you're wondering, maybe you're watching right now, and you don't know why you're watching. You don't know how you got the church. You don't know why you're here, but God has been working on your heart in such a way to get you to this place, and there is a time for you to respond. And in a few moments, we're gonna have that time for you to respond, because God is calling you, and he wants to give your life purpose and meaning beyond what you could ever imagine, your wildest comprehensions, beyond any of your wildest comprehensions. And that's the calling he places on everybody. 1 Corinthians says it this way to a group of Christians that Paul is reminding them of their calling. He said, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so God, he is drawing us unto him. Certainly, we need people to share God's good word, to share the good news of the gospel. If it's not said, people won't know it. But when it is said, God is working on their hearts, and maybe he's working on your heart right now, and he's making this general calling into your life. The second calling that we find in the scriptures is what's known as an effectual calling. This is the effect of your salvation on your life. It is meant to happen to all people, and it starts in the heart. And it works itself out from there. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Philippians. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. Continue to work it out into all areas of your life. You're called to do that. And it doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what you've been through. This calling is always present. And it's present for everyone. And what exactly is it? What does it look like? Well, Paul, again, gives us a little bit more detail in Colossians. As God chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You want to know what that divine calling is on your life? In all settings, in all situations? It's compassion. It's kindness. It's humility. It's gentleness. It's patience. And God is a part of all of that when you're doing it in Jesus' name. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a, forgive, a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Love is what makes all of the difference. And when we get this right, what I have come to find for myself and I've seen it in others, is it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter how you stack up by world, world standards. That you know that you are on mission, that you are living a life that is full of purpose and meaning when you're living out of this love that God has poured into your life and now you're lavishing onto others. And what it leads to is things like this. Things that by the world standards would seem to be small, but God does great things to small little mustard seeds of action. You take meals to a friend who's going through challenges. You don't even ask. You just do it. You just, just, you just love on them because they're going through a hard time. You create a prayer list of friends and family concerns. You pay for someone's coffee and meal or gas. You shovel a neighbor's driveway and sidewalks. You listen to people and ask questions. You just don't always talk or wait and for that moment when you can interject. You encourage someone in every conversation. You invite people to an Easter service of some kind to get them to a place where they can learn more about Jesus this and this God who loves them. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. These are things that, by the world's standards, are fairly meaningless, but these are the things that Christians are called to, that advance God's kingdom into this world, that do things that we can't even imagine them doing. But it starts with stuff like this. And no matter where we are in life, no matter how we stack up by the world's standards, this is the stuff that God is calling us to do. And then there is a technical calling, it's perhaps a profession. Maybe it's a voluntary role. It's you utilizing the gifts that God has given you, the experiences that God has given you. It's you leveraging maybe some of your past, leveraging some of your passion, leveraging the opportunities that are presented for you, and they lead you to a very technical calling that you could have on your life. I, I, I thought that I would always teach and maybe coach a little bit sports, those things were passions of mine, but then God took those when I became a Christian and he redirected them towards his purposes. I could have done those things and they would have been fine, but God seemed like he was taking me down a different path, this path that I'm on now. It was a similar path that he took Amos on in the Old Testament. It's there that Amos describes his situation. He says, I was neither a prophet nor a son of a prophet. In other words, I was a, the, haz, the, ha, the hackathon. I wasn't the person that anyone expected to be where, where I ultimately ended up. I was a shepherd. I took care of a sycamore, sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from, the, from tending the flock and he said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. He gave him a very technical calling. And there are seasons in our lives in which God seems to do this from time to time. In which he calls you to do a specific thing at a specific moment. And he often leverages our gifts to do that. Gifts of prophecy or gifts of, of service or gifts of teaching or gifts of encouragement or gifts of giving or gifts of leading or gifts of even just showing mercy to others. That these things are very prominent within us and he uses them to be a blessing in different situations. But here's what I want to leave you with. is These callings are progressive. You have the general calling, which leads you to a place in placing your faith in jesus the effectual calling is the old being gone and the new coming your heart is changed which leads to you making the most of your technical calling whatever that may be and here's what i have found though is that people christians will often have a general they'll have this general calling down they have a faith in jesus christ they've been baptized into his name And they are doing the job that God wants them to do. They're doing a job that fits their gifts, whatever they may be. But they don't have this. They aren't allowing him to change their hearts. And because of that, they are a tortured soul here. They're never going to find peace here. Because they haven't found this here. Because this is generally all about the external. This is about the heart. And you can't get peace down there with a technical calling from God until you've allowed your faith to have a great effect on your life, your heart, all that you are. And all of these things build on one another. It reminds me of a man named John Newton. Many of you know his story But it's a story that I just want to retell. I love to retell it. It's a story of a man who was a slave trader. And one fateful night, he thought his ship was going to sink because of a great storm. And in the middle of the storm, he cries out to God, God, I I will give my life over to you. He was really just returning to a faith that he had rejected for many years. I'll give my life over to you. And he survived the storm and And it was there that seemingly he embraced this general calling on his life that god had always had there for him and that calling led to a great effect on his heart as he worked out his salvation over the course of the next few years he began to experience great conviction because of the slave trade that he was so a part of and he would hear the cries of people in the ship whole he would He would hear the grieving that was taking place from lost lives as they crossed over the Atlantic to ultimately be sold to slave masters. And it eventually came to a point in which he knew God was calling him to something different. He had to do something different. And so he became an Anglican priest. And as an Anglican priest, he began to serve the Lord and minister to people. And ultimately, he would write the song, the words to Amazing Grace, a song that has been a blessing for centuries. And in the song, he writes the words, "'I once was blind, but now I see,' which had a great deal of irony to it because late in life, John Newton would lose his sight. And it was so interesting that while he has his his physical sight, he was spiritually blind. But then when he was spiritually awoken, he lost his physical sight. But that spiritual awakening, that spiritual breakthrough that he experienced was something that allowed him to see what really mattered, the heart. And he began to serve the Lord with the rest of his life. It wasn't a lucrative job, but it was a job that was full of meaning and purpose. And that is what this series is about. It's about helping you to find meaning and purpose wherever you're at in life, in all of the areas of your life, and for there to be a great breakthrough with those things. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.